What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the channel. I'm Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me is Alexander McKenzie. You can find him on Twitter at Jacked Up on Mountain Dew. We're just a couple of days away, barely two weeks away from the NFL season starting. And Alexander and I have been trying to drum up Sunday content video that we can bring to you guys every single week that's actionable and you know prescient to the moment that we're in. This Sunday, though, we wanted to look at trending players on Sleeper. Everybody in the universe plays on Sleeper for a majority of their fantasy leagues. I have a couple that are still on my fantasy league, which is the worst or one of the worst aesthetic platforms in existence. I understand it's like the uh, it's like the newspaper versus the tablet. I don't mind it. But it's just so hard to navigate. It doesn't look as good. There's no good apps for it, right? I mean, it's just it's it's not oh, yeah. comparable. No. I know. Sleeper Sleeper's just so slick. It's it's built for fantasy, you know, it's not built for multi uh, you know, all those uh, different facets and stuff like that. It's built for fantasy and it feels like it's built by fantasy gamers. It is. And then they're continuing to add stuff. So Right. Alexander, what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the players that are currently trending as of, what is this, August 26th, 27th, and we're going to go through some of the trending players, look at some of the differences, because Sleeper does a really great job of not only showing you where the player is, uh, what the percentage of roster ownership is, but they also show you relative to the moment that you're in how many additions across all fantasy leagues these -hmm. players have been added to rosters in. So, we're going to go in. These guys are sorted by all positions. We can narrow it down. We're just going to talk about the most relevant guys, probably breeze over the remainder of these other players, but let's bring it up on the screen right now. So this is what we're looking at right here. This is the current mm-hmm. trending up, right, and trending down list. Not surprisingly to see Corey Davis trending down as he recently uh, announced his retirement from the NFL. So still rostered in 35% of leagues. That's a combination of people that are in disbelief and people that don't check their rosters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say so for sure. Right? I mean, yeah. I just had to go cut him on a couple of rosters. I mean, if you had Corey Davis too, you were just, you were just banking on uh, some produ- best ball leagues still had value mm. lineup leagues. Uh, took some real balls to start him. Um, but if you're looking here generally at the, players that are trending up, mm-hmm. it's not a surprise that right now in Arizona where we have massive quarterback issues with Kyler Murray coming back from his own injuries uh, and then questions around who's actually starting in this offense. Joshua Dobbs mm-hmm. recently traded for the equivalent of a seventh-round pick in the NFL draft to the Arizona Cardinals, currently 17% roster ownership. He's been added in almost 44,000 leagues. I mean, what? Give people the cold, hard truth because these quarterbacks, to me, it's going to be a lot of the same story, but I'm going to let you have the first take on this one, and then I'm just going to come in with a a, a ball of fire and just burn it all to the ground. Well, I mean, with this one, with Joshua Dobbs, I mean, he's been in the league since 2017. Uh, He was, you know, he's a good backup quarterback. I mean, you've got Kyler Murray coming back, potentially. I mean, this could be a sign that he's not. But I guess if you're desperate and you need a quarterback or you want some semblance of production, you know, super flex leagues. But, I mean, this is like, it's okay. I mean, the quarterback situation has to be just that bad that they're, you know, needing to go and get an emergency quarterback for their for their team. And he's not going to have enough time. 
to, you know, understand the playbook and stuff like that. It just feels like it's, this is sort of a desperation move for some teams to kind of just add, add this guy into super flex and see if he has some sort of fantasy relevance with, you know, relatively good weapons and such. But I, I don't think this really means too much, especially in dynasty. It's not, it, if the, yeah, if they, if Kyler comes back and they stick with Kyler, then what are you going to do? Right. And then also if not, they, uh, they're going to go, they're going to go get a quarterback in this draft if they tank and move on from Kyler anyway. So long-term, yeah, but I guess if you need something to kind of hit the production level, maybe, but yeah, this, this is just noise to me. Okay. Number one, you said everything that I wanted to say. So this, what was originally going to be like the fire from a dragon's mouth has been reduced to a big flame, which is fine. But the point is number one, you're correct because Kyler Murray still has the contract in place and whether he's a part of this team or not, this Arizona team next year is currently sitting with the projected first and second pick in the draft. And you and I have talked about this, not going to be surprising at all. If Kyler Murray is dealt. I could see him staying, but mm-hmm. if he is dealt, this team goes Caleb Williams, and then somehow they move the second pick if they have to pick it. If they don't have to pick it too, and they somehow end up with Marvin Harrison Jr., whether they move to four or whatever it is to gain some value. Nonetheless, though, you look at the quarterbacks. Joshua Dobbs currently in the second slot. Clayton Toon, come on, guys. I mean, I, I understand this, and I, I do have a thought about this. Colt McCoy, he's literally doing a podcast in season right now. He's literally podcasting with another creator in the space. So the guy's on an active roster. There was a chance he was going to have to start. We still don't know. And he's Mm -hmm. literally doing in-season podcasting about fantasy football and what's going on in the NFL, if you want to know where his head is. With that being said, though, humble brag, I went undefeated in an expert league last year. Some of the best guys in the industry. That's the humble brag. But I got to the second to last week in the playoffs, and I had... Jalen Hurts, who was injured at the time. Mm -hmm. A guy that had Gardner Minshew said, hey, I got a quarterback for you. If you need a starter this week, and I really needed a starter, and I really wanted to win this league because what the hell, I'm two games from a title. So I sent him the equivalent of a future 2023 second-round pick, which ended up being the 212. But that quarterback in Gardner Minshew, who may or may not see the field again, was a guy that was on a roster at the time actively, and I paid a price to get him. So I understand that Joshua Dobbs is probably not the sexiest quarterback. Well, he's not the sexiest quarterback option that exists. But for those teams in these leagues, you may need him in a spot start. Uh, sucks, or you might find a guy like me that's in desperation to win a title, <laughs> and you can put him over a barrel unfairly and make yeah, him. I mean, they, yeah, it could be like forty chess. You know, you're just looking uh, way ahead. Uh, my problem with Joshua Dobbs is like even when he played, I mean, he's played what eight games, and he didn't even total a hundred yards in in eight games in rushing. So if there's some sort of upside with him, I mean. The, the season that last uh, 2018, he had a 50% completion percentage. In 2022, the two games he did play, he had a 58% completion percentage, and he only rushed for 44 yards in two games. It's just, I don't know. I, I, to me, it's like, again, it's noise. But yeah, it's like what you said. If you can use him as bait to try to sell him, if some for some reason he has a you know career resurgence here at coming in at 20, he's going to be 29 years old this year. Then yeah, I mean it's just noise to me. 
it's all noise. It. I, I mean, again, there there is there is value in the quarterbacks have the most quarterback. It goes quarterback, running back, and then for me, you could just slice wide receiver and tight end off this list completely for the most part. I mean. Okay, we have seen the guys like Chig and some of these other players sort of emerge out of nowhere. Um, they had the athleticism, but the opportunity wasn't there. There was an incumbent or whatever. So tight end, I can see it a little bit. Wide receiver almost never, almost never comes through for you if you have these sixth, seventh round undrafted free agents. They may pop, suddenly get an opportunity to become that guy. Maybe you get a Victor Cruz once every bajillion years, Julian Edelman-esque, but like, the few and far between of it, they're good players to own if you want to package them and just sell them. Mm-hmm. But again, not not huge, like dying to, to go after these players. Okay, Chris Evans, suddenly. Cincinnati, uh, 17.8 thousand additions, rostered in essentially half of the sleeper leagues. Is this a guy that people should be considering whatsoever? You could, you could potentially consider him. I mean, I think, you know, everyone likes the profile of Chris Evans. You know, he's got pretty good size and speed. They did draft him in the sixth round, but they, you know, they also drafted uh, another running back out in Illinois, um, Chase Brown. So he's competing with that for that backup role behind Joe Mixon. But then you go look at Joe Mixon. The team is sticking with Joe Mixon, right? They've decided um, there may be potential suspension. I don't know what the details are, but that if you go back in the injury history, I mean, he's got a pretty good clean bill of health he had in 2020 he missed 10 games with a foot sprain but other than that i mean he had an ankle sprain that didn't cause any time he had a concussion which which caused him to miss two games otherwise it to me it's it's mixing all the way and then i think if you really want to get chris evans but again like yeah you're showing the depth chart right now here he's he's fourth on the depth chart and he's going against Trayvon Williams and Chase Brown, who they just drafted. So I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, again, seems a little bit like noise unless, I mean, th- this is the position where people get injured the most. So he could sneak up the, uh, up top of the draft board, uh, not the draft board, but depth chart. But again, like this is, would be a good, very, very sleeper pick, but yeah, that's probably why he's trending so high. I mean, he's got he's got the burst. He has you know yeah. athleticism that's requisite sure. for the league. Looks like Damian Harris on player profiler up here, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's also competing with guys like Chase Brown. We don't know the story with Mixon, but again, I think the case with Mixon is if Mixon's being efficient, or essentially, we saw what Cincinnati, you know, kind of told us in the off season. They didn't really go and make a significant effort to add anybody of relevance to this backfield. So it's one of those things where. They kind of showed us initially that they're either comfortable with who's behind Mixon or Mixon's going to get the whole workload. And it's likely that it's probably the latter um, because Mixon is clearly the best back in this offense. But again, Mm -hmm. I think Chase Brown coming in with the rookie deal um, with, you know, much more athleticism uh, with a ridiculous college profile. uh, He's a guy that I would be more apt to add, even though what we're seeing on Sleeper right now is that it's it's Chris Evans all the way up, uh, I would actually be curious if we sort this, if we can see where we could find uh, his counterpart here. It doesn't even show it, so it stops at 14. So uh, that's fine, though. I don't I don't want to go on for the rest of my life reading off running backs of low relevance. Um, but with, with that being said, though, uh, you know he's just he's just a guy in this offense. I don't, I don't see a big I don't see a big reason to go out and go after him. But with with that being said, 
running backs get injured all the time. You mentioned the potential mm-hmm. legal side of things. So for that reason, you could add him to a roster. I'm much higher on Chase Brown. I would actually prefer to Same. own Chase Brown uh, anywhere else that I could add him in trades or whatever it is while perhaps this Chris Evans hype is building. And as you were looking at there, uh, they've got Travion Williams, then Chase Brown, also ahead of Chris Evans. I don't know if this um, aligns with the official depth chart over at the website for the team. I'd have to check that. I, I would imagine it is. No, I think this is. It's updated today at the very top. So, there. It's updated, yeah. So. so I would imagine. I mean, this isn't the team website, but I, mm-hmm. I think that this is where it's being derived from. With that being said, though, yeah, this is. We talked about this on a few episodes ago. Like, this is just going to be a mess. If you lose Joe Mixon, it's just going to be a battle for opportunity and scraps and when mixing comes back even if for some reason one of these guys was playing reasonably well the only person that Mm -hmm. really stands to get hurt is probably mixing who could fall from a 65 percent snap share to a 59 61 percent snap share and maybe one of these guys finds himself in the mix but it'll Mm -hmm. never be the inverse right so no so that's just that's the case with these guys so adam at your own risk now Dion jackson is an interesting name, and we should probably just do the Deion Jackson, Evan Hull conversation all in one mm-hmm. here, Hull, because Evan's right here. So he's the 11th most added player currently, rostered in 76% of leagues, 6.1 thousand additions recently. Deion Jackson, though, rostered in 71% of leagues, 14.4 thousand additions. Obviously, his ownership might have been a little underwhelming to start, just looking at the two differences here. Mm-hmm. Um but of these two players, do you have interest in either one of them? I, you know, it's interesting because you're trying to project whether or not the player is going to who's going to get the the touches, right? And when I I think about it, I feel like what will actually happen is the team trusts Deion Jackson right now because he's played in the offense. I think a lot of Deion Jackson's perception is, you know, he's the guy getting most of the carries right now in preseason. Plus, you know the the hype over that one game that he started that he got 28 fantasy points uh when taylor was hurt um it it's interesting i I still think it's might be just kind of a mess uh evan hall is an interesting player again kind of looks like he's he's got good size um he's got great speed for his size and uh he had like 55 receptions last year um so he's no slouch as a receiver. Uh, Deion Jackson also has been was used as a three down role whenever he was there. Uh, I'm just not sure what they would do if you know with that backfield. If if any of these guys would be even viable and be more just like just get Anthony Richardson and move on from this from this team. I mean, you know, this is this is a team where it's a great point that you bring up one. Deion Jackson's profile here. We saw some opportunities lashing up prior to Evan Hull being added to this backfield. I really actually like Deion Jackson. I did a video a couple months back where I was talking about him and Jerome Ford and some of these guys as like sleepers that I would want to own because Mm -hmm. with an injury and sort of the low nature of market ownership with them, obviously you got Deion only at 71% right now. And we've been going Mm -hmm. through the, the saga of, you know, Jonathan Taylor and that fucking whale, God, I don't. That's God, that poor R. whale. R.I.P. to it, candlelight vigil. Um, but so with that being said, I understand the reason that people are are interested in Deion Jackson um, over Evan Hull. But really, what I could see happening 
is this looks like a team to me that would just pick up a guy like Leonard Fournette, right? Like if the rubber met the road, yep. Leonard Fournette's going to show up. He's still going to be relevant enough to carry a 62, 63% mm-hmm. snap share, be viable in the passing game, and pretty much relegate these guys. Because why not put a, a a known commodity, a veteran that's good, mm-hmm. who can pass block, who, who's got the experience, who can catch passes mm-hmm. with a guy like Anthony Richardson. I, I'm already, if I'm if I'm the Colts, the minute that Taylor leaves, I'm just bringing Leonard Fournette right in, right? I mean, and they, are, they already were looking at guys. They were looking at Kareem Hunt. So does that give you any sort of confidence in these two guys when they were already researching whether or not they should get another running back? Um, I mean, and, this profile's very juicy. This it, is it, like... It's, again, it's really nice. Uh, but again, like it's a fifth round investment and he's got a great profile. Uh, the problem is, is like what, what, like you said, if they go and get a veteran, this is like the one of two outcomes here. Anthony Richardson is fantastic. They use him in the running game and they start winning a lot of games and that thrusts them to be in a position where they should go and grab one of these veteran running backs like Leonard Fournette. Then that kills his backfield. Otherwise... I, I think it's just more of just like with these guys that kind of are questionable, like I feel I feel like they'll go with the guy that they they trust the most who has played in the offense before than just go and get a new guy on that offense. Yeah. So Zach Moss, Kenyon Drake, like come on, just just if fucking have Leonard Fournette pick up the phone already. This is well, silly. It's just that's the other thing is they did pick up Kenyon Drake too. So it's like, yeah, they've they've just throwing guys in there. They don't know who they like. If they liked either one of these guys that much, they wouldn't be spending so much, you know, investment in uh prior to the beginning of this season to go get guys. And so if you want to bet, I would you could bet on the athleticism of someone like Evan Hall, but I'm willing to bet that the team is just gonna kind of stick with who has been in the offense the most or it's and it or it just ends up being a split backfield and they don't do anything to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's honestly, it's a matter of, I think it really comes down to you have a rookie quarterback. How many young mm-hmm. players with no real experience do you want to put around him? You look at this offensive line. It's been like getting built over the years. So it's a pretty young mm-hmm. offensive line. It's a totally young receiver group. It's a young tight end group. It's mm-hmm. a young running back group. So, like, nobody has any experience out there. So, to put a veteran running back who's been on the field for a number of years, uh, you know, after losing a guy like Jonathan Taylor, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I can't believe we got that much juice out of that topic. I will say, though, if if Taylor goes to the Dolphins, <clears throat> there's no way that a majority of those guys that are on that roster that right now people are coveting and have big expectations for are really going to emerge because you know that if you trade for Taylor, let's say you offer two seconds or a second plus, whatever it is, Mm. you're offering significant trade value. With that being said, it's an association with the Dolphins if it is the Dolphins saying, look, we're going to extend your contract. We're going to pay you what you want to be paid. And mm-hmm. if Taylor gets some three-year deal that meets his price tag, all the rest of these guys short of injury, let's not forget, I know the Devon A-Chain fans, I bring this up, like Taylor was looked at as generational coming in and, and one of these like otherworldly talents. That's not gone. So if he mm-hmm. comes to play for another team, he's still one of the best backs in the league and he's going to absorb every single piece of that backfield and all that opportunity because it remains a valuable asset to have a guy that you never have to take off the field because your offense becomes less predictable if you don't have to do that. Right. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense, especially with the Miami situation. Yeah, if they, if if Taylor goes there, those guys that are all being hyped up, like Devon A. Chain, is just going to be relegated to you know using his athleticism in small bits, some sort of gadget plays. Uh, but going back to I just I thought thought of this when when you put Evan Hull out there, um, if he profiles as like a you know premium receiving back, are they actually going to pass to him with Anthony Richardson in that run game? Um, so. If if you if you project over that and, and he's running a lot, are they going to pass a lot? High propensity to pass to the running back, or is he just going to go and scramble? So, um, yeah, this yeah. is one of those questions since the beginning of time that's been brought up about mobile quarterbacks and targets to mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know pass catching running backs. Evan Hole, seventeen point three percent college target share. Like this is what he was great at. This is. He's a little undersized, but he's roughly the same size as a guy like Dalvin Cook or one of these other players. Mm-hmm. Like I, 209 is plenty big enough to be a successful player at the NFL level. You, you, you look at Eckler, you look at Christian McCaffrey, you look at these other guys. You don't need to be 225. You don't need to be 218 mm-hmm. necessarily, Deion Jackson, to be great at the NFL level. But I, I would, from speculation standpoint, I'd be willing to add both of these guys if they're available or make small trades, mm-hmm. you know, package them into deals to get them just because injuries happen opportunities manifest themselves and yeah. if you're one of these teams like you and I have talked about where you want to ride a little skinnier in the investment in the running back position you invest the in the veterans and then mm-hmm. you go get guys like these where you know in a pinch you have to start Evan Hall as a flex option maybe that's mm-hmm. the game where he's got six targets for you know 51 yards and a touchdown and 11 rush attempts for 73 and all of a sudden you get a 16 point game out of him and mm-hmm. he ends up being a, a, a win for you on the day. So I totally understand the reasoning behind it. It's just mm-hmm. dude, what a what a mess of a situation. Yeah. And the, the, between the two, Deion Jackson and Evan Hull, I think the athleticism, uh, the younger age, the reception, the receiving profile. I guess, and he's more of a black box process. That's why some people like to go and get him. They you know they don't know what he is now. I mean, when I refer to black boxes, like they just don't know what he is now in in the league. Um, I think you can you can talk yourself into getting Evan Hull and being the guy that could potentially be one of those situations where he has a prolific profile and he could, you know, jump into this conversation that he could be the starter. But again, what happens with these guys is he, they're good for one year. They're good for, you know, they they're they're fifth round investment. Um they're if they unless their talent is electric, right? Uh Otherwise, these guys are just kind of the, in that situation where they just get relegated when they, you know, next year when the Colts draft and spend a second round pick on a running back. Yep, that's a fact. Um, all right, we'll we'll uh, we'll rapid fire through some of these. Oh, yeah. um, there, uh, we've got some we've got some good takes on some of these though. Your Dorian Thompson thoughts. Um, go. So the last man standing in Cleveland currently behind mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. Uh, go ahead. I mean, he's had a great preseason. Uh, you know, he's got a great profile, he's great speed for a quarterback. Um, problem being is the, I mean, you can add him in case of injury if that's really the only reason. Uh, and he would be really good in that offense. But again, the, the we talked about this before. Uh, Deshaun Watson, they have a fully guaranteed contract with him. There's no way that they're going to just go to Dorian at all. Like, he would have to be historically bad for for them to go and jump to to dorian and, and again he had a little bit of a up and down year watson but i mean the team is expecting him to be you know top five at the position which he was you know prior to all this 
all this craziness that he had with his legal trouble and stuff like that. So the team is expecting big things and they should because they paid a lot of money for him. So I, I, I you can roster him in case you want injury, but look how much dead cap this guy is holding. Like there's no way. It's just like there's there's nothing Thank that you. you can do other than injury to be rostering this guy. You must have like 20 bench spots and you just want a guy and there's no nothing out there, especially in Dynasty. Like there's no way to relevancy unless he gets traded. But really, he kind of looks like the Dobbs we were talking about at the top of the thing. They really was on the Browns and just got traded yeah. to be a starter. Mm -hmm. So he's just kind of a spot starter and yet just an insurance policy. Um, it's sad because he, you know, he's a pretty good quarterback and he's looked pretty good so far in preseason. But that's the reality of the situation he's currently in. It's it's RIP. So again, Dorian Thompson mm -hmm. to me is my story of Gardner Minshew. Like add him to your roster if you're you're in a deeper league and it's a super flex league and you you have a situation where you may need a quarterback and mm -hmm. you don't want to concede points. You don't want to go to your bench and start Alan Lazard. I don't know. You you're not <laughs> sure who you want to start on a given week and you're like, I'd rather take my 15 points from Dorian Thompson this week. So. I get that, or you, again, we come playoff time, guy's got an injury, he loses a starting quarterback, or Deshaun's mm. hurt, and this opportunity arises. So that's probably the rare case where it comes through. But, dude, $200 million in dead cap space? There's no, like, did, I wonder if anybody told him that when he was getting on the plane to Cleveland. I, I, they should, I mean, he probably already knew. Originally, I mean, yeah, like, hey, uh, dude, there's just nothing here for you, no matter what. You're just going to be here to help Deshaun out, you know, that's all. Yeah, there's so. nothing, nothing there. So, okay. So, Trey Lance, uh, we're going to talk a lot more about Trey Lance on another video. Um, so, I don't want to spoil all the thoughts, but what's the, like, the surface level thoughts about Trey Lance goes to Dallas, one of the worst managed draft picks of all time through, Man, throughout should, history. Yeah. Yeah, they should be. I think people should be holding that that front office way more accountable. That was it's one of the worst picks in NFL history, for sure. Well, we can't even say it's one of the worst picks either because Trey Lance is definitively bad either, and that's what makes it right. one of the worst that's, picks. Well, yeah, and then they just moved on from him immediately, you know. And so, yeah. Initial I, oh, thoughts, Lance. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. Do it. <laughs> Lance, Lance to uh, to the Cowboys. To me, it's just like a good situation for him. He can, you know he doesn't have the pressure of being the number one guy. I think that's kind of what happened to him is part of it was he hasn't played a lot of games in general. Um, even coming out of college, I think he only played what 13 games. Um, again, he's got a great profile. There's a reason why, you know, the 49ers were obsessed with him, but he just couldn't figure it out in between the years. And I think if he has some time to foster that he's still really young, he's what, 20, 23, what, I think 23 years old. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if things sour with Dak, but I don't, I mean, again, Dak is a good quarterback in this league. If things sour, then maybe then they lean towards Lance. But I think it's one of those situations. Like they just want a premium, potentially premium backup here as of right now. And why wouldn't you try to throw, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable with, you know, the guys behind you, or if you just want to try to do an upside play here and, and take a guy that was the number former number three overall pick that still, again, has not played a lot of games. He's played eight games his entire career in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You could totally see that he gets some more reps here. And then maybe there could be a conversation. I mean, Dak's 30. 
who knows? Again, Dak is still going to be relevant here. He's got, I I don't know what's this. Can we pull up his contract? Uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. I highly doubt that, that the contract's coming out. Well, they're talking Anytime about soon. extending him too. Like that's been yeah. one of the big conversations with Jerry Jones. So yeah, potential out in the future here. Um, but again, dead cap is incredibly high. Sure. I like yeah. how they say potential out in 2024, $62 million in dead cap. Yeah, no, you're not going out of that. No, you're no, not doing no that. That's, no. And yeah. yeah, so, you know, like the 30,000 foot view of the situation is the Dallas Cowboys just got a quarterback at 23 years old that the San Francisco 49ers thought was worth three future first-round picks, then eventually sold him for a fourth-round pick. Dak has had some injuries of late. Trey Lance needs a ton of development. But -hmm. with that being said, like, he might be the definition of black box prospect, right? Like, we don't know. Yeah, by a wide margin, we don't know who he is. Really. He didn't even play that last college season. I think he played in mm-hmm. in nineteen, and then didn't. Was that right? Played. I think it was played. Played nineteen. Didn't play twenty. Yeah. Drafted in twenty one. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Just off off of uh, interviews, and I guess his forty. I think that's what they were doing. I, I, yeah, one game in twenty, right here. No. So yeah, so the the big season and you know 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, this again, people said Christian Watson is the reason he got drafted as high as he did. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily believe that, but the the last thing I will say and what cracks me up is, you know, people were like, "Man, Trey Lance isn't good. He can't start over Darnold. He's getting pushed by Purdy." Then he goes to Dallas and they're like, "Oh boy, Dak better watch out." And it's like, "Wait a minute. <laughs> you guys were just saying he wasn't good." And now you're like, Dak better watch out. And by the way, in the new NFL, being a 30-year-old quarterback is like still majorly in the sweet spot of your prime. I mean, his Absolutely. prime has five more years on it. So Yeah, yeah. And we, we don't need to have that conversation. There's no conversation here. Like, there's no quarterback controversy. It's just Dallas is trying to – there's a – I mean, it's fourth-round pick. You can potentially have him as like, if he looks good and another team needs a quarterback later on, they could just sell him for a second or a third and just be using that to just turn a fourth round pick into maybe a second round pick. If, right. if they're that, you know, cause I think Sam Darnold who has had a rough time in um, everywhere, everywhere still went for a second, right. And uh, for to Carolina, a while back, so uh, yeah, again, I think like, originally, yeah, yeah. So he went to it first, still a second round pick, and he was abysmal on the Jets. Um, so he was seeing ghosts, and then they trade him for a second round pick, even though, yeah, yeah. So with that being yeah. said, like <clears throat> I had more faith and and value in Trey mm-hmm. Lance before he went to Dallas. I I I don't love the landing spot. Like I think if he gets an opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. I like the landing spot in the event of an injury, but in terms of like the ability to actually ever become anything at the NFL level, um, it's a flip of the coin at this point now. Like unless yeah. Dallas does something with him, they've got two years of him too. If they want to extend that fifth year option on him, um, mm-hmm. so he's probably locked in place for two more years. By the time he gets out of Dallas, if it does happen, he'll be twenty five years old. Maybe he gets a chance to go to like, say the, I don't know the jets at that point. If Aaron Rodgers is fading away, like, I don't know, but his value probably isn't going to circle back around for another year plus at this point, or Mm -hmm. if there's some injuries, so you could add him if you want to trade him, but 
there's not there's not a whole lot here. Joshua Kelly, uh, any anything there worth even mentioning? No, I think we've seen enough of Joshua Kelly that we know. Yeah, Marquez Callaway with the Denver Broncos. I think this is only good because you know the injuries that have happened to the receiving core. Um, but I still think you know looking at players, the rookie uh, Marvin Mims, I think he's way more dynamic than Marquez Callaway, uh, and could be his skill set could be way better in this Sean Payton offense than I mean Callaway did, has played in the Sean Payton offense, and we've seen what he is with being the, you know, only guy on the receiving core. Um, so we kind of know who he is. Um, yeah. I uh, Yeah, the, we absolutely know who he is. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're in like a best ball format, <clears throat> right. that's where these guys have some value for you because they, mm-hmm. they're a guy, you add them, you package them into a trade, and he might have a game with Russ who throws a, mm-hmm. a lot of deep balls. He might have a game with Russ where he has an 18-point game and he rescues mm-hmm. you in a game when you otherwise have one of your Elijah Moore underperforms and here's Callaway mm-hmm. saving the day. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I get it. Okay, Sean Tucker, we're going to do a lot more analysis on a take yeah. like this. So 30,000-foot view, Sean Tucker in Tampa Bay behind Rashad White, who for some analysts is the second coming so much so that I believe some analysts even said he was better than Bijan or... Any running back since LaDainian Tomlinson, I can't remember what the take was, but it was uh, inaccurate, and it was it went down in flames, absolute flames. But Sean Tucker, um, any interest on your end to add a guy like this? Absolutely. Out of that list, I think he's num- he sh- he's my number one on that board. I mean, he was he had a lot of hype going in. We talked about this pre-show. There were some rumors about his injury, which probably led to him going undrafted, but he had a lot of hype going around him. Monster producer out of Syracuse, great athleticism, uh, 5'9", two, roughly 210, um, had 36 receptions last year. I, he's a he's a good back, and I think he was way better than uh, his draft capital states. Obviously, he has none, right, because he went undrafted, but... Sean Tucker to me is way more valuable than Deion Jackson, way more valuable than Evan Hull. He has the his his preseason, you know, evaluation. Uh his uh, yeah, during the entire draft process was through the roof. People loved Sean Tucker. Um and now he goes in a situation with, you know, Rashad White where I think it could be a split backfield. It was a split backfield with Fournette and Rashad White. Rashad White only averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Uh we looked at the offensive line ranks of of the Bucks. You want to you want to bring that up real quick? Yeah, you can pull it up. Yeah, I mean they're kind of low. I mean, the again, shout it. out, shout out to uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, shout out to Thomas Emmerich who made this uh, graphic for us to kind of look at an aggregation of different sources on offensive line ranks. And if you go and look there, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of bottom mid there, twentieth ranked offensive line. Um, just kind of, if we could, I'm, I'm not sure what Sean Tucker will be, but I think he is way better than the, the the rest of that list on that trending thing. Sean Tucker, to me, would be the number one priority out of all those guys. Uh, the other guys are flyers. I think Sean Tucker has some real juice. There's already some reports of him getting splitting some uh, first team reps with White. White is a great, it was a great receiving back coming out. Um, but again, that 3.5 yards per carry to me is is concerning. 
Um, and again, we're all making these assumptions that the reception totals will look like what they were with, with Tom Brady. Like how efficient is this offense going to be with Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback? Um, again, Rashad White's got a great profile, but how many, how many leagues are going to a one back system at this point? And who are the other guy? Keyshawn Vaughn is Keyshawn Vaughn even on the roster anymore? He probably is still right. Yep. Yep. Vaughn you know, is. Yeah, but Sean Tucker's a big back who had a lot of hype going in. Great size, great production, great receiving profile even for him. That you can envision a scenario that he's he's splitting these team the first team reps already. He, it could be a 1A, 1B type situation, and Rashad White's just the passing guy. If I know anything, I know that Chase Edmonds has been leapfrogged more than whoever was originally leapfrogged <laughs> when the term was designed. So, uh... <laughs> this is so come on man i mean these this is it's a bookmark is what chase Edmonds is so yeah like uh, sean tucker i agree I, I think that you know the splitting the first team reps i think that the evaluation of what rashad white was in a much more under control managed and experienced offense with tom brady versus what it's going to be with baker mayfield and we ran some quick numbers. This, again, will come up on another show, but you look at Baker Mayfield when he was with Carolina with an elite receiving back in Christian McCaffrey, and that is still yet to be determined with Rashad White because although White had a lot of college receptions, it's not necessarily like an indication that he's going to be targeted at some elite level of volume. I was actually just in this moment thinking back, and I spaced on the name. Who was the running back out of West Virginia that they had about six years ago Seven years ago, Target Monster. Look that up for me because this name is going to blow you. He had like 240 catches coming out of college, and I think it didn't really end up being what we had hoped it would be in the future. Um, with that being said, though, you, you look at Baker Mayfield with Carolina. He was the QB8 in the first five weeks or eight games of the season. 22.9% uh, running back target rate. Then he goes to the Rams with Cam Akers, and I will argue with just about anybody that Cam Akers is as capable of a pass catcher as Rashad White is, despite what we saw from White uh, in his college profile. Uh, but while in L.A., he was the QB 27 across five games with a running back target rate of 13.6%, and that was without Cooper Cup. So it's very, very interesting Um what the potential outcome may be, because if you tell people that Rashad White's not going to be targeted at the level that he was targeted the year prior, then I think a lot of that sexiness wears off in addition to what we were yeah. talking about with the, the offensive line and all these other weapons, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, again, if 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 the passing game is not efficient and they just stick to the run game, I mean, the three that's where the 3.5 yards per carry comes in. And maybe the loaded box rate, but you've still got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on there. That's still going to freak defenses out that you still got those weapons and they're not going to press the box too much. I mean, unless they're just, they just have no belief in going against Baker Mayfield. Um, in that case, then I would, I would assume that Sean Tucker gets some reps here and, and then could be getting the goal line touches. I mean, you, you could see Rashad white getting all these, you know, in between the twenties usage. And then there's goes Sean Tucker into the end zone. Um, so, I can't help myself, so I'm going to do this because I have to pull this up. Here we go, baby. Boom. Charles Sims. There he is. Ah, sorry. Yeah, it's Buccaneers right? too. There you go. <laughs> Third round pick, Charles Sims. Let's go down to the college. Yeah. Where's the college profile? 
Oh, his college profile is not on here. I'm almost certain. Look, 11.8% college target share. I think West Virginia threw the ball a lot. Was that not the year that Gino was with them? Because I think he came out in... I'd have to look back at this. He might have played with Gino, but yeah, dude, the yeah. guy had like his college profile. The guy had like a 70 catch season on it or something to that effect. Um, 60 catch seasons. I know he had a, a boatload. Yeah. A 70 catch season of 50, a 37 and a 45 came out of West Virginia in 13 big seasons with Houston prior to that. Anyways, point is seen this story before sold the farm for a third round running back. Look like this guy uh, ended up getting absolutely burned by him. So with the Rashad White thing, I think uh, in redraft, I I do like him this year. But again, in the context of dynasty, there's much more concern about longevity and what teams might do. All right. We got to really got to fly through these. Jaleel McLaughlin is like Philip Lindsay without all of all of the actual validated production. I realize Javante Williams coming off the injury, but it sounds like he's going to be ready or at least close. Um, I just, I mean, come on. He's what, 5'7, 185 pounds? No, no, no. It's just noise. Move on. They just want another guy on the backfield. I think it's just this roster. Um, yeah. Okay. Justice so, Hill. Yeah. Yeah. We know what Justice Hill is at this point. Brock yeah. Purdy's already owning 93% of leagues, non conversation. Zach Moss, even if. Jonathan Taylor is gone. I mean, Zach Moss might get some workload. We saw it last year, right? He he might be a guy worth acquiring in the event that it doesn't go the direction that I think it will with Leonard Fournette, or as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt, probably the two best veteran options that still exist out there. So he might have some value in the event that we don't see Jonathan Taylor uh, return. San Francisco, I mean, you couldn't pick a backfield you want to touch any less of considering who's there. Diami Brown, is it finally his time? 20% league ownership, 4,900 editions of late. It could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, how long is McLaurin out? That's a good question. I think it's the Jahan Dotson show with a rookie quarterback. I think rookie quarterbacks have a, a propensity to target only one guy heavily. So, And it looks like it's Jahan Dotson so far. Just, again, it's preseason. Uh but Deami Brown isn't an interesting one. I mean, but there also still is uh um I can't forget I keep forgetting his name. The wide receiver, Curtis Samuel, on there as well. So maybe. I don't know. Uh it's a good it's a good pickup in terms of where he's at on the depth chart. But again, I think it's Jahan Dodson and then splashes of Curtis Samuel and then you got Deami Brown. And then if and if if McLaurin's back, he will be back. Then you've got yeah, I don't. I, I have no reason to roster this guy whatsoever. Um, although, won't he be playing with Howell again? Oh yeah, they, they right? play together. Yeah, came from North Carolina. Is that correct? I think so. I'm, I'm almost certain of this. I'm going to keep talking while you look it up, but I'm almost certain of this that they played together, and he was one of the guys that left along with uh, Michael Carter. Javante Williams, and that was part of the reason why we saw Sam Howell go into more of a rushing effect yep. in his final year because he lost offensive linemen. And Diami was was great in college, admittedly, but mm-hmm. he's he's buried. So speculative roster ad. This is those wide receivers we were talking about. Best ball leagues, probably better mm-hmm. than you know whatever else. Uh, 
Otherwise, I don't think I want to get into much more of what's going on down in the bottom of this list. A lot of it's got high ownership already. Like, yeah. uh, you're not getting Brock Purdy. You know, you're not getting some of these guys down here that have been, you know, Mikol's in leagues. Jalen Warren's been a hot topic for a while now. So, anyways, guys, is there a player that didn't pop up on this list that you think deserves some addition that's maybe sitting on the bottom of a roster that could emerge and become a player that could have value in 2023? Tell us who we missed. Should we have talked about somebody on the other side of the list that has value that's being dropped right now or cut from rosters? Actually, very surprising to see. I just saw his name there. That's uh, Justin Ross cut from 3,300 rosters. That's obviously going to make Alexander upset. We'll talk about Ross more in the future, I'm sure. Plenty more. Um, so anyways, guys, comment below. Make sure to hit like if you are still watching to this very tail end of the video. And of course, hit the subscribe button. Help us continue to grow this channel. Look in the description below. Also, Discord links there. Join us in the Discord. And then, of course, go to DynastyRankings.com. Enter in your email. We'll have a newsletter in the future. And the website is close to an eventual launch. So, guys, we will see you next week on Wednesday when we release the second episode of the Dynasty Rankings podcast. We'll see you then.